This week's episode of the Ocean Pancake Podcast features Olivia from Fully Submerged Scuba. You may know her from various TikToks and Instagram reels and YouTube shorts uh, that she does to do with scuba diving and scuba diving tips and ocean loving and ocean conservation. She also works as a safety diver at aquariums. So in this episode, we talk about all things scuba diving, how to become a staff instructor, what that means, what it's like diving for fun versus for work and then of course diving into the world of aquariums because we don't actually know that much and as someone who has been working as a safety officer for aquariums Olivia knows a lot so I hope you enjoy this episode I hope you enjoy and learn something from Olivia because I certainly did and I look forward to my next aquarium visit and to potentially have my first dive in a freshwater lake. Every day, there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean. Whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution, if the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to Olivia from Fully Submerged. Hi. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, it's so good to always have another scuba diver and fellow social media content creator who tries to kind of bring the ocean to the screen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so how did you actually get into diving in the ocean and all things um, sea? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's actually like definitely very out of the box. I um have grown up my entire life being landlocked mm -hmm. um, in the Midwest. So scuba diving, well, I'm very adamant a lot about the fact that you can scuba dive like anywhere. And I think I'm proof of that because I live landlocked, but um, it's definitely not as common as it is known in other places. Um, but I kind of started getting into just like a interest in fish and aquatic life and things like that um, mm -hmm. kind of later in high school and then when I went to college I had a or I like studied and got a degree in biology and um, you know you have to take a physical education credit and oh the, really yeah <laughs> we have our, it's not the case know, in Australia <laughs> yeah the American education system is a whole nother thing we can of worms we could open up but yes there's like all these you have to's um, so scuba diving was one of the options and um, that just piqued my interest with being very interested in the ocean and just any kind of underwater world. Um, and then going along with a biology degree, I figured that was probably going to be a good fit. So that's how I kind of got started into it. And then I've been pretty well hooked ever since. Did you get to do any marine biology courses while at university or was it strictly land biology, but you're like, oh, scuba diving could still help out in any nature exploration? 
Yeah, for sure. So um, it was pretty much very Midwest biology, like a lot of prairies and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, there was a marine biology course, but the way it like line, I, I, they only offered it like um, once every, you know, it was only in the spring semester and it was every other year or whatever. Mm, so yeah. it, it didn't end up lining up. Like there was no way I could fit it into my um, course schedule unless I stayed like a whole extra year in college. And yeah. <laughs> if you know how expensive our education is opening that yeah. can of worms again, I wasn't <laughs> about, I wasn't about to stay a whole nother year. Um, For one course. Fit, yeah. Yeah. To fit in a one course. That, yeah. So um, I didn't end up getting to take marine biology, but um, I did uh, do an internship at an aquarium over in North Carolina. So way over on the coast um, for one of the summers. Um, and that's, that's kind of was my like closest. I got to dip my toe into that world and kind of see and be like, yeah, I, I need to get there eventually. So after you graduated university college, uh, you decided to go into what kind of job? Because now I see you're a paddy staff instructor and you're a dive safety officer. So you're all things scuba diving. Do you still like teach diving or do you also have, as they say, quote, quote, a day job? Yeah, so uh, I have a day job, but it is very much around um, this aquatic world and things like that. So my day job is as a dive safety officer mm -hmm. for an aquatic, an aquarium management company and I started with this company like literally like a month out of college and I've been with them ever since um so for that it's um like I said an aquarium management company so we take care of people's aquariums like if they are um whether it's in somebody's residence or if it's like a business you know sometimes you go to doctor's offices or mm -hmm. places like that and they have tanks um, or sometimes nature centers have exhibits that we help care for, um, things like that. And then up to, you know, some of the exhibits we have are very, very large. So we have, um, like people all across the country in varying sizes of aquariums and a decent number of us are in diveable exhibits. Um, now we don't do the full like scuba setup. We have like a hookah tank. Um, that we use to dive our tank. So not like massively, massively large, but still pretty, you know, obviously sizable enough to get in and dive them. Yeah. So basically what I do as the dive safety officer is just write and manage the safe practices for our divers and make sure that we have like policies in place for um, how we go about um, diving in these systems and the rules and, you know, keeping up with, um, equipment maintenance and things like that just so that our divers are have safe practices to go about so that's my regular gig <laughs> sounds fantastic I mean you still get to be around diving and marine ecosystems yeah you and actually get into the um, aquariums yourself or are you just the safety person from the side yeah so um up until, well, I, okay, so I guess this requires a little background. Um, so I was still living in the Midwest until March of this year. Mm -hmm. So now I'm in Florida and my role has shifted a little bit, but when I was in the Midwest, I had 
like I was an aquarist and a dive safety officer. So I had my okay. own systems that I cared for in addition to running the dive safety program. So I did dive and then I can obviously like anytime anyone needs, like if they sent me out um, anywhere, I can go and, and dive. Um, but I've definitely now that I am not running my entire, like a whole store system anymore. Um, I am more on the sidelines for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what does it involve? Because we have had such a wide range of ocean-related and marine-related jobs on this podcast, but we actually haven't had anyone who works in aquariums. So could you give us a little rundown? What does your job entail? I assume there's some cleaning, but do you guys feed? Do you check health? Like, As an aquarist? Of, yeah. What are you doing there? Yeah. So um, yeah, basically an aquarist is like a jack of all trades kind of a position. There's a lot to the job. Um, it's definitely something that I think a lot of people um, think is that's just swimming with the fish and like playing with them, but that is so far from what the job entails. So yeah, there's like um, a little bit of chemistry involved. So you have your water quality testing. Um, water quality is tested very frequently. Some parameters can be like weekly, some are daily, some are monthly, quarterly, whatever, but um, you're, you're making sure that all the water quality parameters are within safe and health levels for those fish. Um, and then there's the feeding of the fish. So that also is way more technical than just throwing fish out. Um, typically the food is uh, weighed um, so that you know how much food is being prepared and given out to um, the fish. And then there's like the variation in the nutrients and minerals and all that kind of stuff, vitamins, everything that you're making sure it gets into their diet so that it's diverse and keeps them healthy. Um, and then there's all the, like all the filters and pumps and everything behind the scenes, that's all called life support systems. Um, yeah. So maintenance on all the life support systems is a huge part of it. So, um, you know, doing water changes, cleaning filters, um, carbon, UVs, protein skimmers, whatever um, components are on the aquariums, you know, changing O-rings, doing media stirs, all that kind of stuff that's making sure all that equipment is functioning and working properly. Um, is a huge part of the job as well. And then health monitoring, like you mentioned, is another mm -hmm. big part of it. So, uh, you know, keeping an eye on the fish and making sure that they're healthy. And then usually um, if you're, you know, working with a aquarium that's um, very, how do I want to word this? <laughs> very like, you know, more well put together responsible aquariums will have quarantine systems. Um, so then you mm -hmm. have tanks that you can pull animals to and do treatments on them there and things like that. So that's all part of the job too, is quarantining, treating fish for any health or um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for for this one? Injuries, health or injury related issues. Um, that's, that's all on the aquarist as well. And of course, like new things come up all the time. Um, so every day can be very, very different. You never know what you're going to take on, but that's pretty well the gist of it. 
such a wide range of jobs and they all sound really interesting. And I think I'm someone who really enjoys trying different aspects or, you know, keeping busy at work, which isn't just one thing. This sounds like a great job for people who kind of like the challenge of, you know, a new, new plan every day, you know, depending what's needed in the aquarium. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, not, not a job that you are sitting down much and it's not a job that you uh, can get bored (laughs) too easily. (laughs) Um, Just, just going a little bit of a tangent uh, as you know, marine conservationists and things, there is a little bit of negative press around aquariums, right? So if, especially if we consider, you know, aquariums, which have bigger animals, um, you know, any whales, dolphins, any of that kind of stuff. From your experience, just from what you've seen, do you think a lot of that's, you know, propaganda and stuff? Are a lot of aquariums really taking care of their fish well? And, you know, should we dispel some of that <laughs> negative kind of thinking that, you know, we understand that, you know, um, killer whales shouldn't necessarily be, sorry, shouldn't be in um, pools at all, but for smaller aquarium fish or corals, um, what is the conservation? Sorry, what's the place of con- conservation and aquariums together? Like how do they interact and what can we learn from them when they're in an aquarium? Yeah, so this is, yeah, definitely a, a controversial topic. Um, and uh, there's there's always going to be, like in anything, there's going to be good and bad um, within the industry. So yeah. there are definitely aquariums that I would not choose to support. Um, and then there are definitely... Mm-hmm. Um, ones that I think do a lot of good work for um, not only conservation, but just, you know, um, helping educate uh, people about the the ocean and inspire people to Mm -hmm. care about these animals that they might not otherwise have any interaction with. And I think, um, especially with me being like landlocked for my entire life, I wouldn't have even had so much as like a brush with anything ocean related. Like it's not like anywhere near like our education. Like we don't really talk about the ocean in school, even when it comes to like biology and stuff like that. Like Mm -hmm. it's not even brought up because it's not, it's not what we're around, you know, we're talking about what's native to us, which makes sense. But yeah, without zoos or aquariums, I would Mm -hmm. not have had any access to any of these other species. And then you can also like, it really helps broaden, broaden the horizon. Yeah, absolutely. It gives access to people who might not otherwise have access, whether that's because they, you know, can't afford to travel or they're not physically able to travel or whatever the case may be. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely provides access a lot easier. Um, and then we also, I mean, you typically, you know how um, being educated on something is what helps make people care about it to want to protect it. Um, yeah, so 
it definitely helps reach a wider audience in that sense. Um, There's also like, no, I was just saying, so just like with anything, there's, you know, good, again, air quotes, good aquariums or, you know, aquariums which operate to a higher standard. And then there's some which you said you wouldn't necessarily want to support or potentially it's it's always difficult because sometimes you want to work in the worse off places because then you think you can make a difference but for the general public if they're trying to you know be mindful of what kind of businesses they support is there any telltale signs they should look out for um for aquariums they're choosing to visit you know if they have the choice of course if there's only one they that's limited but if if they can choose is there anything they can look out for in terms of you know, sustainability practices or like being, you know, following proper protocols for the fish and corals and other marine creatures? Yeah, so um, I don't really know about in other countries, but for the U.S. specifically, um, Mm -hmm. I typically say if you're an AZA accredited aquarium, um, that is a very vigorous uh, screening that you have to go through in order to be AZA accredited. And it doesn't mean everything in the entire world, mm-hmm. but um, you, it, it's not easy. It is really, really difficult um, to earn that AZA accreditation. And once you get it, you have to um, go through the process again every four years. So it's not like your scuba certification where you get it and it's for life. Like they have to keep up with it. And it's um, yeah. an intense screening. I actually just had a friend who works at an aquarium who just went through um, their process of getting AZA accredited. And she said it was the most brutal, intense week of her life. And it's like, I mean, they've been prepping for this um, screening for probably yeah. year, I mean, years now, which shouldn't, wasn't going to be years because of COVID. That's what pushed it back. But I mean, it's, it's a really, mm-hmm. um, it's not something you just kind of like you know, hand over a fee and then they're like, congratulations. It's, it's a lot of work and it's, um, a lot of regulation and, you know, high standards. So that would be the first thing I would recommend looking for if it's AZA accredited, um, you're already off to a, mm-hmm. a pretty high, high standard of, um, how everything is done in the system to very minute details of like, if there's even so much as like a rusty, bolt somewhere like that doesn't fly so (laughs) that's my recommendation well that's good to know as someone new to the aquarium sphere um you don't Mm -hmm. know what accreditations to necessarily look at and if accreditations mean something so it's good to see that this is you know rigorous and it means something anyway This episode is brought to you by you guys. Thank you for all the support by liking and following this podcast. And of course, to all of you guys who have bought the Plastic is the Killer t-shirt that you can get on www.oceanpancake.com. I also have a Patreon and you can donate directly if you're interested in helping me continue the ocean conservation work and science communication that I do. The Ocean Pancake Podcast Patreon also offers behind-the-scenes look into the podcast and all things to do with the videos and everything like that. So if you want to head over there and become part of the family, that would be awesome. Otherwise, I do have some very exciting projects coming up as well, so keep your eyes peeled for some new things. But yeah, let's get back to the episode. 
we have so much to talk about. We have to get away from the aquariums, but it's fascinating, (laughs) really inspiring to hear a a new job that people can do to combine, you know, their, their biology or their, some some sort of degree potentially with diving, um, which can take place in landlocked areas. Cause again, not all of us can live on the coast. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I guess just one little last thing on, on the aquariums is that there are like um, a lot of aquariums that do conservation efforts. Like um, they, and they have a lot of like, I know a lot of aquariums that have like sea turtle rescue sanctuaries and different things like that. So um, research, all sorts of different mm-hmm. kind of things. It, it definitely um, can span outside of the realm of just we're taking care of fish for people to look at and be like wow pretty fish like there's a lot more work going on behind the scenes than even that so even though looking at pretty fish is fantastic (laughs) right right right. absolutely it's just there's Um, a lot bigger of a picture than that yes uh no that's that's really great to know and um I look forward to keep learning about aquariums uh, because I don't know I haven't been to one in a very long time but I remember as a child you know, who knows, maybe they're the reason I really got into diving because it was just always something my parents took me to. Anytime we went to a new city, we went to see the aquarium. That was part of our yeah. you know, touristy thing. But maybe that's what you do with kids. I don't know. But yeah, aquariums sold. are very largely like at the jellyfish. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, very largely uh, kid environments for sure. But I mean, same for me. It's like ingrained into me as a child. That's when I saw them. I was like, holy moly we have squirrels and that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Very different growing up in, you know, a city and then moving out to the outback here. (laughs) Very different creatures we get to encounter. But um, so, so we know about your day job. So can you tell us a little bit about your non-day job or, you know, scuba diving? Because a lot of people kind of see it as not a full career, but you're a staff instructor, which is um, pretty high up in the paddy hierarchy of things. So do you want to give us a quick rundown? How do you get to staff instructor for those of um, uh, the audience who aren't sure about how it goes? Yeah. So um, basically through your like recreational level of diving, you're going to do your open water advanced rescue. And then from that point on, um, if you step into the professional level of diving, you're going to go from dive master to um, you can go and assistant instructor if you want. Otherwise, you can pass right on up to open water scuba instructor. And then after that is master scuba diver trainer. And then after that is staff instructor. And then the very highest level is course director. Yeah, I pretty much from open water to staff instructor was about four or five years. I I like went right on up um, each year, basically getting a new certification plus a couple in one year for some of them. And basically what a staff instructor does is Mm -hmm. just like the assistant to the course director for teaching the um, instructor development course, which is how you become a open water scuba instructor. Yeah, you're kind of like the the helping hand, kind of the the good cop to the bad cop of 
the course in some ways, the course director, you know, <laughs> a little bit like be... the dive master to the instructor, right? Yes. Yes. Very, yeah. Similar to that. But, uh, so, you know, you're like the friendly shoulder to lean on and kind of give guidance throughout the course. Um, because you know, the IDC, oh yeah, you're an instructor. So, you know, <laughs> um, it can be a pretty yeah. intense course. Yeah. So yeah, having, having somebody just kind of like cheerleader you through the process and, and give you guidance and stuff is is kind of the staff instructor role in a way sort of <laughs> directors and then two staff instructors for three of us <laughs> yeah because everyone wants to teach the IDC it's just so much fun that like all of our like higher ups in our dive shop just always showed up and we're like it's it's literally four to three <laughs> yeah yeah we don't need this many instructors but it was fantastic I loved it I mean yeah it's a great way too to have very like much a bunch of course. yeah to have a bunch of different um like techniques to kind of pinball off of too I think mm-hmm. yeah and find your own teaching style and um because so many people ask me and I'm sure they ask you as well like oh how do I pick the best place to do my open water or the advance or any of the courses and it's so much about the instructor Um, yeah I'm I'm sure you would have felt the same thing it's it's about finding that connection with an instructor or then a staff or a course director um, that matches your energy and then learn from them and having a variety of instructors as well can really benefit you as a as a diver and your competency in the water yeah absolutely so where do you get to dive now where where are you living now yeah so I'm in Florida now um and since moving here I've Mm -hmm. taken a a break from instructing so I'm just doing my day job now um just because I did yeah from my open water through my staff instructor was just so go 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 that um I have not really done a whole lot of diving just for myself I say probably like 90% mm-hmm. of my dives have been uh, in a working capacity. <laughs> so yeah. I'm definitely in my course mean. or then teaching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, or diving in an aquarium. Um, so <laughs> it's like oh, true. Yeah. so much. I'm like always, which in one way you can look at it and say 90% of my diving has been paid for, <laughs> you know, not only paid for, but I'm, I'm I, I like looking paid. at it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's been a weird step though I'm like what do you mean like you're not gonna give me money to get in the water like <laughs> I just no, wait I have this to pay fun. no I don't <laughs> yeah I don't like this wait who do I grab me? what do I clean what am I doing down here <laughs> yeah I'm just supposed to look around <laughs> like what it's been a very it's too very, easy it's too easy yeah. <laughs> it's been very strange I'm like I have no idea what this world is. Um, Also, almost, I think I probably have maybe 20 dives in the ocean. Every other dive, all my other hundreds of dives have been in fresh water. So I'm very, very much in a a new world right now. Like, (laughs) I'm like, do I even know how to dive? It's like I've never died. Before, I'd love to honestly. just restart the the ocean adventure. You know what I mean? I've done yeah. hundreds of dives now. I'm like, oh, it'd be so nice for it to be new again and like really exciting. Not that it isn't, but um, right, yeah. yeah. Diving for ten years, you're kind of you've seen it all. That's why I got the camera. Not really, now, but I'm like, I need to be doing something. <laughs> right. I need yeah, something I've... to do down there. But now that I'm I've... not grabbing students, I'm like stay here. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah definitely yeah it's definitely opened up a new um, world so, and I'm like uh, I don't what is this <laughs> what kind of freshwater diving did you do because I on the other side of the spectrum I don't right. think I've ever done a freshwater dive yeah I mean you would be the majority of <laughs> nothing <laughs> now granted nothing. I love okay. I, well, I love anywhere that I dive I am not going to be one to complain um no matter what but uh freshwater diving um I've done lakes, quarries, um, and uh, mine pits. Um, so um, mm-hmm. lakes are usually pretty scungy. I mean, if you're in like the Great Lakes, I'm pretty sure they have pretty great visibility up there. And there's amazing shipwrecks. If you want to do shipwreck diving, the Great Lakes is like one of the best places in the world to do it because with that freshwater and it being so cold, mm-hmm. um, it preserves the wrecks really, really well. I've not done any of those dives myself, but um, that's one place where freshwater diving is is like pretty top notch. Um, as far as like quarries go, some bluegill you'll see every once in a while, maybe a catfish, um, a bass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you can see your own toes, then you're on a good dive. You're doing um, good. <laughs> yeah, it's a good day. It's a good day when you can see your own toes. Otherwise, um, it's saying we yeah, have 10 I've definitely left. free dived in, in lakes and stuff. Yeah, no, because Zoom has decided to change its rules. Now that Zoom is in charge of the world, um, they've, they've minimized the free membership. The free, but yeah, yeah it, it's telling us we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to start wrapping up in a little bit. So just, just really quickly, um, <laughs> you you make these fun little uh, videos on your Instagram and on are you on TikTok or is it just YouTube I don't I still haven't gotten on board the TikTok thing I'm too freaked out I'm getting too old yeah (laughs) Um, yeah no I'm on TikTok uh, too how do you feel that you're okay how do you feel that the whole digital scuba content relates to real diving and do you have a lot of divers watching it or it feels like a whole alien world to me yeah so um I kind of try my best to use like the digital and just goofy TikToky style videos, which is mm-hmm. very much the surge right now with um, the kind of younger audience yeah. and content in general. Um, so I try to use it as a way to kind of like push scuba diving into um, the younger generation's, you know, realm of content and under, you know, things that are out there to do as a way to kind of get them involved in the industry and hopefully like inspire them with, you know, what's underwater, um, especially for, you know, I don't know, there's a lot of fears revolving around the ocean and the creatures inside of it. Um, so, you know, any exposure <laughs> to it and education behind what's going on underwater, I think um, can help, help us inspire more of that audience to to want to take care of it and want to become scuba divers and things like that so that's that was kind of the the push for making my goofy tiktoks and reels (laughs) no they're very they're very nice I like I like them I just feel like I'm just so old oh yeah a hundred percent whole new language developing on the internet and yeah I, I really enjoy watching them but I I haven't brought myself to create anything yet and I'm I'm very inspired by, by <laughs> yours and I'm like well someone's doing the scuba diving one so <laughs> yeah <laughs> we got it covered 
yeah yeah no definitely there'll be times where people Um, will comment terminology like they'll leave some comment and it'll be some kind of gen what is it what are they gen z gen z terminology and i literally yeah yeah i'll literally have to google it and be like what does this mean Oh, oh yeah, no, I'm those are the definitely times where Googling. I'm like, oof. <laughs> yeah, no, I teach high school, so I get a lot of the terminology kind of infiltrating my brain just from being in the classroom with them. And I don't know, it's just so funny to be on the other side of it now. Like we're no longer the young, the younglings, and then realizing how our teachers would have thought about us and our slang and I mean we had text speak like that was the most embarrassing horrific (laughs) (laughs) section of internet development when we had to count every single letter that we texted on our Nokia bricks because it cost 20 oh yeah whatever yeah I forgot about that yeah t9 yeah it, it had a there was a reason there was a reason why we sounded like idiots um no, I, I think it's really amazing how Gen Z have just taken taken um, social media by storm. And I love the content that's being put out. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm trying to catch up, but I'm more of a the longer, long form, slower content, like the podcast where we can just sit down and have a chat. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's what I consume the most of. I definitely watch long form content more, but I am better at making the short form content than I am at long form yeah I feel like I'm just not funny enough I'm, I'm trying to work on it to like make the short form <laughs> stuff but <laughs> I'm missing that gene <laughs> um no I I think I think you're doing a great job with it so everyone should go check out fully submerged uh on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube uh because I think you're the same same name everywhere right same fully name submerged. everywhere. If you search fully submerged, you'll and find me. On- nice and easy. Yeah. Uh, and just before we, we do wrap up, I do want to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests, which is what is the piece of advice that you would give anyone who's looking to, you know, protect our oceans or our, you know, planet or marine ecosystems? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's helped me with it is just not freaking out about being perfect um because I think when you have like such an you know you see all the like gloom and doom stories of how horrible uh you know we're yeah all these terrible things we're doing for the planet and everything then you know it's easy to be like oh my gosh like you know I use one plastic bag and the world is going to explode but um really it's yeah if you need like taking baby steps is already huge um and you know slip-ups happen and things like that but just any any small changes you make are still a huge impact and that um striving for perfection isn't realistic and it'll lead you sooner to quit um, than to just do one step that can be a step in progress. Um, I think that was really well put, Olivia. Um, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the Ocean Pancake podcast. And yeah, I'll let you know when the episode will be airing, but in a couple of weeks, because I finally have some episodes to put out. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. 
Once again, thank you so much, Olivia from Fully Submerged Scuba, for taking the time to chat to us on the Ocean Pancake Podcast. I hope you guys learned something and you'll go and check out Olivia's TikTok videos. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you did like it, please feel free to send me a message on Instagram or anything like that, as well as including this on your Spotify playlists. And I also have to say thank you to Graham Mose, who is the mind behind the tunes and beats which I use in the Ocean Pancake podcast. He's a fantastic musician based in Brisbane. So if you live in Australia and you have the chance, go and check out his music. I'll see you guys in the next episode.